Well, good evening. I'm Kirk Moose with Moose Ministries, and this is Barry Klingen with Trophy Lakes Church out of Trophy Club, Texas. And we are here with another Bishop in the Moose. You know, before we get too started, I want to make sure I don't forget, because, you know, I've been forgetting a lot. We now have this on podcast. If you haven't realized it, we are doing our show not only on YouTube, but also on podcast, and you can check it out either at mooseministriesinc.com, mm-hmm. you can go to Apple Podcast, mm-hmm. or you can go to Google Play. And I think it is now on Spotify as well. Spotify as well, and you, you search for Bishop and Moose, and you'll find it. That's it. Well, guys, today our topic is, why is idolatry or idols important to the modern church? And, you know, you and I were talking about just a little bit ago that so many times in the modern church that we'll go through our daily life and we don't give any thought about what we think about throughout the day that will allow our mind to be fixed on one thing and it'll become a fixation. Yes. It'll be something that we asphyxiate on and that will almost dwell upon it continuously. And why is that so dangerous? Well, I think that, uh, you know, again, when you mention that, immediately most people's idea of that is some, you know, when we say the word idols, even in the context of Christian environment, of Christian people, they always say, well, that's what they did in the Old Testament. That's what they did in the ancient world when they made images and bowed down to them. But the Bible has a lot more to say about it in the New Testament uh, to help us understand it. And we really learned to answer the question you just gave there, why it's so dangerous when we read what God has to say about it. That's right. I, I would you know, tell us to look immediately at uh, Colossians, uh, Apostle Paul writing to the church at Colossae in the New Testament, and he, he says these very powerful words in uh, Colossians 3, verses 5 and 6, and he starts talking about you know certain sins that we should be careful and be away, uh, uh, stay away from, all sins, which is not but he's mentioning some, some specific ones, and he says in it, covetousness, which is idolatry, and then the very next verse said, for this reason the wrath of God is coming upon the sons of disobedience. Sometimes we don't ever talk about the wrath of God, the judgment of God, as much as Jesus talked about it, and much as the New Testament teaches about it, much as the Bible reveals, but the Bible does teach us of God's wrath that's coming against those who refuse to worship him. And it mentions idolatry here, and it gives it the context of covetousness. Now, again, ancient world, what we would sometimes say in our Old Testament, in our Bible, the ancient world, they, they literally built idols of constructed with man's hands of, uh, you know, something that, that had some form and shape, and they bowed down to it, made sacrifices to it, and did that. We think of ourselves as being so much uh, beyond that, but like the New Testament always does, Kirk, it takes us to the heart of the issue. And uh, Jesus said, you know, you have heard it said, but I say to you, he always went down a level deeper into what really is motivating things, and he does the same with idols. Idols, he said, comes, uh, you know, covetousness, which is idolatry. Covetousness is an issue of the heart. It's wanting something more than you want God. It's wanting something that's not yours, that's not permissible to have, and it goes to the very desires of our heart and mankind, Men and women are created human beings. We have a desires in our life, and those desires uh, in the flesh lead us astray. Those desires, been brought under the power and control of the Holy Spirit, uh, bring us great fruit in our lives. And so he's bringing idolatry into something of the heart, and that's when we start opening it up to realize, well, what is idolatry then? It's not, Obviously, I don't think anyone that's listening to this has some carved image in your closet that you're going down and bowing down before. 
But when Jesus opens it up to the heart and we begin to think about loving things more than we love God, uh, there's a whole new realm that we have to deal with about what adultery oh, really is all on. about. So I think that's very important. And the thing is, is a lot of people think about, well, this must be something that's really bad for me. It must be like pornography. Yes. Well, we're not even talking about that. An obvious sin. Yeah, you know, we're, we're not, not talking, talking about, about obvious sin. Yeah. Yeah, we're talking about like it could be someone loves to go watch YouTube binging out all day, every day. <laughs> or they could be a video game player, you know, like my kids call it, gamers. They're gamers. Mm-hmm. So all day long they play video games. Or could be the health nut. Mm-hmm. But any of those things that can be okay, they can become very bad because you put all of your thoughts in it. And I really think where it can really get even worse is when you use it as your form of escape. Yes. Because you allow that to become your alternate reality. Mm-hmm. When it becomes your alternate reality, it's like your entire thinking shifts. Mm-hmm. And what happens if you're no longer thinking about things of God like we're taught to mm-hmm. in the Word of God, but we put all of our thoughts on Mario Brothers <laughs> or all of our thoughts on Metroid or whatever other game yes. that's out there. I, you know, Super Smash Bros. I think is one of my kid plays. <laughs> you know, and he gets all crazy over that because he loves to play it. Now, playing that game itself is not bad. Mm-hmm. But if that's all he does, mm-hmm. if that's all he thinks about, mm-hmm. then there's a problem because it's become almost like an idol or something that's more important than God yes. to him. And it's not just all he thinks about. They allow that to become the primary desire in your life. Yes. I can't wait till I get to that point where I can pour me a drink. I can't wait till I can, everybody's, you know, I can have time to, to do that. This is my escape. This is my reality. John Piper, great, great pastor, theologian, uh, he said it in a way, as he always does, in such a good way when it comes to idols. And he said, an idol is a disordered love or desire in us. In other words, it's not in its proper place. And then he said this, loving more than God, what ought to be loved less than God. That is great. What do you treasure? What do you honor? What do you seek above God in your life? Now, I, I want to make, you know, I say this as well. The, the Puritans were a great and godly people uh, who really took seriously their devotional life and their obedience to Scripture. But they did it to such a degree that I like to call them, they were, you know, navel-gazing, uh, inward people that just all the time were looking for a new sin that they need to pull down and this they need to pull down. And all. and they lived pretty miserable lives as a result of that. I don't believe that's what God is calling us to do. But he is sending a big, uh, you know, a sign that says, beware, because this idolatry, when we start getting in our life to where we love something, it doesn't matter what we say with our mouths. It matters what we cherish in our hearts. What do we love more? We, we talk about Abraham sacrificing Isaac. You know, God came and tested him, and he said, I want you to basically, God is saying, put on the altar what is the most precious, sacred possession relationship you have in life that's above me. And the son of promise was everything. I mean, how could God fulfill his promise to Abraham to be the father of a great nation if it's not through Isaac? And so yet still Isaac obeyed, I mean, uh, Abraham obeyed God and took him to the the altar. And, of course, God stopped him when he saw that his heart truly had God, number one, in his life. That's why these things are important. And they really, you know, I mean, for this reason, the wrath of God is coming upon uh, the sons of disobedience. So we, we need to recognize this. I love the quote, mm-hmm. 
disordered desire. Mm-hmm. You know, maybe some of us need to put what is my disordered desire on our refrigerator and look at it every day and think wow. to myself, do I have a disordered desire? Mm-hmm. Is there something that I have out of place with where it's supposed to be? Mm-hmm. Because let's just say, for example, if someone's having an issue in their marriage and they have to go play video games, well, let's make it even deeper. They're having an issue with their marriage, and then they're having some problems at work. So when they come home every day, they feel like they need to escape from their reality. So either they hit the bottle, or they play video games, or they do both, because they're trying to enter into an alternate world. And so they become so infixated with this false thing mm-hmm. that they forsake the real thing Yes. so that they can have an alternate thing. Yes. Well, if they're living within the alternate thing, they're not seeking after the truth of God. Right. They don't have their mind on the things of God. They're not able to partake of the mercy and peace and grace of God. And because they can't partake of the mercy, peace, and grace of God, they can't receive the free gifts that God is trying to throw upon them. But you and I both have have experienced this ourselves to where there's sometimes we're asking for something but we've got to press in. There's a little sacrifice that has to be done called dying to self during yes. that tribulation for before we actually see the answer come. Mm-hmm. But that's because God says, you know, Barry, you know, Kirk, I know if I give this to you quick, you're not going to learn how to get closer to me. Mm-hmm. And so it's that natural reaction. It's kind of like if yes. our wives are playing hard to get. You know, yes. the, it's not because they, they want to be playful, yes, yeah. but they also want us to be close to them. Right. Exactly. The whole the whole game is let's be close, let's be a little bit more intimate. Let's let me whisper to you in in your ear so that the the room can't hear what we're mm-hmm. talking about. And that's the same thing God's trying to do with us. He really wants us to get closer to him. If we're not willing to be involved with the activity, we can't re- reap the reward of the prize. That's good. I I did a uh, Kirk year, years ago. I did a whole series of messages just on the on desire. And uh, you know, you, you, you know, a disordered desire. You called attention to that. It really has made me yes. think about how important that is, because we are creatures of desire. We are lovers. Uh, God created us to be lovers. We love things. We we, we get infatuated. We we pursue things. That's who we are. And I always like to say, you know, when I was growing up, I always loved to read. And I am a book nut. You can kind of look just at a portion of uh, the many, many books I have collected through the years, and I read as a voracious reader. But when I became a Christian, what happened was my what I read changed. Not necessarily from bad to good. It just changed in an ordered desire that I wanted yes. to learn more about God primarily. Now, to this day, do I read political books? Do I read uh, novels? Or, yeah, I do find time to read those. But the number one thing to me is you know, my relationship with God and, and reading in that area. And I don't have to sit down and say, well, I've read five books. Before. I don't have to. It's a matter of the heart. It always comes back. So, you know, that place, what do I treasure more than God? What do I do? And I, I really like, Kirk, you know, we don't have time in, in just a short, you know, right. time on this video and, and podcast to talk about it. But uh, but I want to real quickly just lay out this for you to see how important this is, because it really describes where we are as a people in the world today, especially the people in the United States of America uh, today. And, and that's very simply this. When God created uh, mankind, when he created, when all of creation came into existence, God gave a measure of glory to everything he created. 
a, a measure of his own 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 self in it. You know, that says in the New Testament, there's a glory of the star, there's a glory of the sun, there's a glory of the moon. They're all different. And but there was a special glory he put upon mankind because we were made in his image. And we were made male and female. So it takes male and female to show the full image of God. And then right there in Genesis chapter 2, he says, And for this reason, a man shall leave his mother and father, cleave unto his wife, and the two shall be one flesh. That gives us a hint right in Genesis 2 of the uniqueness of the glory of man. And what is that? That we have the ability, just as a husband and wife, when the two become one flesh, have the ability to have an unbelievable intimate communication. We have a ability to have that intimate communication with God, right. unlike all of the other creation that he made. And so therefore, in the New Testament, Paul writes about it. And he says that picture of a husband and wife, and he quotes that verse in Genesis 2 to say, that's a picture of Christ in his church, Christ dwelling among his people, God communicating with us. Now, here's what happens when we have an idol, and we can go in the Old Testament, we don't have time to read all this, but you go to Psalm 115 in the Old Testament, and it speaks of literal idols made with man's hands like they had in those days, but the character is still the same in the New. And he says there the famous lines. He said, they have eyes, but they cannot see. They have ears, but they cannot hear. They have mouths, but they cannot speak. They have hands, but they cannot feel. And, you know, the psalmist is making an argument there because someone said, where's your God? They wanted a God they could see. And the psalmist says, well, we have a God you cannot see, but he's powerful. You have a God you can see, but he's powerless. He can do nothing. But most importantly, in that passage over in Romans, uh, in uh, Psalm 115, it says something very important. It says, the people who make these idols become like them. And here's the truth from that, uh, uh, Kirk. We become what we worship. Uh, your life is moving in the direction of your most dominant thought. And what you worship in life, what truly you treasure more than anything else, you're becoming like it. You say, well, am I becoming like a video game? Am I coming like a bottle of booze? Or, or not? No, Here's the, but idols, they can't see, they can't hear. And the Bible says specifically it's a great exchange that takes place. That's right. And that exchange is we take the glory that God has given us, the ability to have this incredible intimate communication with our Creator, and we exchange that for the glory of what we're worshiping, which is something that can't see, hear, feel, or taste. And so, therefore, we start becoming like that, and we get cut off from our God, and we are not living in the glory of what God created us to do, to have communion with him, but we're now becoming like the idol. We can't see or hear anything, and you can go as far as to say that the longer you do that, you come to a point, and there was a group in the book of Jonah that says they were so far from God, they did not know their right hand from their left. So what happens then? You start calling good evil and evil good. You start seeing darkness as light and light as dark. Why? Because you can't even discern because you totally are cut off from what God says. And Romans one eighteen, beautiful passage, not a beautiful passage, a very scary passage about how man exchanges what is so obvious to him, the glory that he can have communication with, and he exchanges that truth for a lie. And because of that, the wrath of God is coming upon the earth, it says. So it's, these are very, I know that was a lot of heavy Bible there, uh, but it's it's just a you know read Psalm one fifteen read Colossians three five and six read Psalm one oh six and verse twenty because one oh six when it talks about when the children of Israel made a calf to worship while Moses was up on the mountain talking to God God had delivered them out of Egypt they had a calf and it says in Psalm one oh six they changed their glory 
into the image of an ox that eats with grass. They gave up the glory that God had given them to have intimate communication with God, and they started becoming like the ox they had created to worship. They couldn't see or hear, and they got cut off from God. And that exchange is talked about in Romans 1, 18, and and, uh, also Psalm 115 here that we've read tonight. That's why this is important. It's not just because the wrath of God's coming. Why is the wrath of God coming? Because people have cut themselves off for what God created them to be. Kirk, God made us to love him and to know him more than anything else. And when we desire him more than anything, we move into that place where we can have communion with God. That's right. When we allow these idols, whatever they may be. I, I, you were mentioning idols a minute ago. I want to say, you know, I see people in the church, Christian people that go to church, making idols out of worship. I've had people come at me and say, well, I'm not going to come to this church if we don't sing this kind of music or that kind of music. I'm saying, well, wait a minute. You, you've put your, you've made worship an idol. You know, more than you love God, you're 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 not worried about other people. You're worried about just what you want more than anybody else. And so, you know, John Calvin said this. Well, I'm on a little roll here, but John Calvin said this: the heart is a veritable factory of idols. There's a potential for anything to get in the way of what God wants us to experience with Him, and we've got to be able to recognize that. Let the Holy Spirit and show us when these things are moving that direction, and come back to love in the Lord thy God with all of our heart, soul, mind, and strength. I'm preaching, I know, but I mean, I'm on a roll there on that. Trying to give all that theology in 10 minutes, you know, of how all that fits together, but I hope it emphasizes why it's important that we do what John said in 1 John when he said, my little children turn from idols. Don't, Don't chase after idols. He was not talking about figurines that they worshiped in their homes. He was talking about anything they loved more than God. Uh, uh, supremely uh, in their life. And so that's what makes this such an important, important issue for us to uh, to to come to understanding of and, and live within and express so we can fulfill our purpose here on this earth. Pastor, I don't think I can add anything to that that would go any better than what you just said. I think you hit all the nails on the head and put a bow on it really neatly there. Uh, guys, don't forget to hit the subscribe button and the notification bell so that you can be notified anytime we release new episodes. Also, check out trophylakes.org so you can see more messages by Pastor Barry. You can also go to mooseministriesinc.com to check out other resources we have to help you learn there as well. Um, Once again, we do have the podcast. It's released every Saturday. Well, a new episode is released every Saturday. And uh, we really hope to see you next time. Guys, God bless you. Have a wonderful day. God bless.